Hello and welcome to Light for Living. My name is Pat Kilby. I'm the pastor at Cary First Baptist Church in Cary, North Carolina. Light for Living is a podcast designed to share biblical truth from a fresh perspective with an emphasis on relevant and practical application for our life. So currently we're teaching through the book of Revelation and today we're going to walk through Revelation chapter 18. But before we uh, move on to Revelation 18, I want to recap just a little bit about what's going on in Revelation 17. Revelation 17 reveals why the wrath of God is so severe on the earth. The judgment of God is so severe because of the judgment of the notorious prostitute. Revelation 17, 5 says, The notorious prostitute is Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and of the detestable things of the earth. All of these distinctions in Revelation 17, 5 refer to the false religions of the world. In Revelation 17, we are taught, or Revelation 17 teaches us, all forms of false religion will be judged by God. Revelation also reveals, Revelation 17 reveals, that all false religions will be made desolate. The Antichrist will seek to have the whole world worship him. So it's crazy that um, Jesus talks about a narrow way. There's only one way to eternal life with God in heaven. That's through Jesus Christ, the Son. But he talks about a broad way. And there's many on this broad way. And there's a lot of people who are talking about there are many paths to, uh, to a right relationship with God. We know that is not true. Jesus said there's only one way. But here's the, here's the ironic thing. Satan, at the abomination of desolation, at the midpoint of the tribulation, he's going to rise up and declare that he is God, and and literally he's going to destroy all forms of religion. He's going to destroy all forms of other idols and idolatry, and he's going to claim that he's the only one worthy of worship. So he's imitating God at every turn. We know that God is the creator. We know that God is the only one worthy of worship. We know that there is only one God. He is, he, is, he is God the master. He is the king. He's the maker, the creator, and, and he, is, he is the judge. But Satan's going to set himself up, and ultimately he will destroy all other forms of religion and declare that he is the only one, and he is the only one worthy of worship. Warren Wisby in his commentary on Revelation 17 says this, Readers of the Revelation in John's day would identify the harlot with the Roman Empire. Readers of the Revelation in the Middle Ages would identify uh, the harlot as the Roman ecclesiastical system uh, of the world in that day. Today, some believers see the harlot as the Babylonian system in, a, in an apostate world church that, minimize, that minimizes doctrinal truth rejects the authority of the word, and tries to unite professed believers on some other basis than faith in Jesus Christ. So when I read his commentary, I'm thinking, wow, that's such a picture of, of what our world looks like today. What Warren Wiersbe is describing is the progressive Christianity movement that is currently sweeping through churches in Europe, Canada, and the United States. Progressive Christianity is a growing religious movement that professes to be Christian while seeking to present itself as a modern-day alternative to biblical Christianity. There are four attributes of progressive Christianity. Number one, the Bible is a human book with godly principles. Or in other words, the Bible is not the inerrant word of God. 
they would say the Bible contains some words from God, but it is not the Word of God. Secondly, progressive Christianity um, would focus on the idea that foundational doctrines and biblical terms need to be challenged and redefined. Some of the terms and some of the doctrines, some of the principles they would challenge and redefine, number one, the resurrection of Jesus is symbolic. It's not factual. It really didn't happen. Biblical teaching about sexuality is outdated, so it needs to change. And so we see that now uh, in our world where we uh, we want to be free to choose our, our gender. We want to be free to choose who we love. There is no higher standard. Things have changed, and the Bible should change with it. That's what progressive Christians think. Progressive Christians also think there's more than one way to heaven, and progressive Christians seem to think God is love and there is no hell. God is love and there is no judge. The third attribute of progressive Christianity, personal feelings and thoughts are more important than biblical principles. So in other words, God is love. There is no moral or righteous judge. The world has changed, and so the Bible should be interpreted according to the culture. Many progressive Christians do not believe sin separates us from God. And the last attribute about progressive Christianity is this. The gospel of Jesus is not good news for sinners. It is a call to social justice. So many progressive Christians place a stronger emphasis on social justice, care for the poor, the oppressed, and environmental stewardship of the earth. Here's what I say. We are called to help the poor and the oppressed, and we are called to be good stewards of the earth. But our greatest need is not a comfy, politically correct life with no problems. Our greatest need is salvation from sin. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. Social justice is a mask. It's a mask to the real problems of life. The real problem in life is the wages of sin is death. So every born-again believer is called and commanded to take care of the poor the sick, the oppressed, the widows and orphans. However, social justice should never take the place or become more important than a personal relationship with Christ and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So political correctness, social justice, wokeism, climate change, freedom of sexuality, gender identity, and other issues have become religious markers for the progressive Christian movement. So Revelation 15, 17, 15 through 17 says this, He also said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nation, and languages. The ten ten horns you saw and the beast, they will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So ultimately, One world religion will happen, and it will begin to happen at the midpoint of the tribulation when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple at Jerusalem. And so what's funny to me when you talk about uh, Warren Wiersbe's commentary on Revelation 17, he's, he's thinking that, and he's thinking correctly, that there's going to be a one world religion, and this one world religion is right now, it's, it's pursuing progressive thoughts, that's not true righteousness. True righteousness is found only in Christ, but the Antichrist is going to try to set him up, set himself up 
for the whole world to worship him. So we see in Revelation 17 that all other religions are are worthless, they're fruitless, they will be destroyed, and literally it goes back to there's only there's only one choice we can make. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. We're going to love one. We're going to despise the other. We're going to hold to one. We're going to throw the other one away. Ultimately, I'm choosing God or I'm choosing something else. I'm choosing God or I'm choosing my way. And my way is less than. And my way, I'm if I choose my way over God's way, I'm choosing Satan over over God. I'm choosing idols over God. I'm choosing my pleasure, my way, my thoughts over him. So Revelation, once once again, Revelation 17 is the destruction of the, the religious ideologies of, of our world. So now we go to uh, Revelation chapter 18. Once again, Revelation 17 describes the fall of, of spiritual and religious Babylon. Revelation 18 describes the political, economical, and physical destruction of Babylon. So the Babylonian system, the Babylonian system of the world, um, in my mind, would be described this way. It's the pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of riches, the pursuit of physical fulfillment, and the pursuit every desire this world has to offer. The Babylonian system is an intoxicating culture where satisfaction is temporary because there is never enough. The Babylonian system of the world would emphasize three things, and we learn this from the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to to receive or inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him what to do, and he said to follow the law. And, And the rich young ruler said, I've done all these things. Then Jesus said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. The rich young ruler walked away sad that day because he was very, very wealthy and he was not going to trade that in to follow Christ. So the Babylonian system is a system in the world that emphasizes three things, and we learn these from the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler believed the world is about me, the world is about here, and the world is about now. This is our life, and it is our time, but we are called to follow and obey God's word. The Babylonian system says there is no judge, there is no standard, it's your life, it's your time. Do what you want. Matter of fact, the last uh, chapter of the book of Judges, the last verse says every Everyone did that which is right in their own eyes, and that would that would describe the Babylonian system. The Babylonian system of the world is best described in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than, rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power or to avoid these people. So that would describe the, the world in which uh, 
we're living in now and the world that has literally always has been since sin entered into the world. So Revelation 18, 1 through 24, is going to describe the destruction of the political, economical, and and physical attributes of the world. People love the world. People love what's in the world. People love the fame, the fortune, the pleasure. They love all of this. Well, all of this is crashing down. Our world is coming to an end, and Jesus is redeeming the world back to himself, and Revelation 18 describes uh, the destruction of the Babylonian system of the world in regard to its political, economical, and, and physical attributes. So let's read Revelation 18, 1 through 24. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a heart for every unclean and despicable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Then I heard another voice from heaven, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, a mix a double portion for her, As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. In these verses 1 through 8, John sees a vision. He sees another angel with great authority coming down from heaven. The earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, it has fallen. The Babylonian system that seeks to seek out pleasure and riches and physical fulfillment, it seeks everything the world has to offer, the world that's about me, it's about here and about now, that's being destroyed. Babylon, the great system, it has fallen. This idea of of Babylon has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. The Babylonian system is so vast and so great, all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her. The merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Then he hears another voice, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes. There is a judge. There is a way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof, they're the ways of death. So we need to choose our our way, and we need to choose it with wisdom. So Babylon, the great system, is going to be destroyed. 
We get to verse 9. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. Cargoes of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, slaves, human lives, the fruit you craved has left you. All your splendid and glamorous things are gone. They will never find them again. The merchants of these things who become who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls, for in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed, and every shipmaster, seafarer, the sailors, and all who do business by the sea stood far off as they watched the dust on their heads, as they watched the smoke, excuse me, from her burning and kept crying out loud, Who is like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning, Woe, woe, the great city where all those who have ships on the sea became rich from her wealth, for in a single hour she was destroyed. Rejoice over her, heaven and you saints, apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. So a couple of things are going on here. People who worship the world and all that's in it, they're going to see the destruction of this great system and they're going to mourn. They're not going to repent. They're going to mourn. They're going to mourn because life is is not what it used to be. They're going to mourn the sexual immorality. They're going to mourn the pleasure and the riches and the wealth and all of these things. Matter of fact, these things have trampled down the people of God. And in Revelation 18, we, we see, Rejoice over her, heaven, and you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Verse 21, Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way, Babylon the great city will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again, and the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery, In her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all of those slaughtered on the earth. Wow. There's coming a day when the righteous will stand. There's coming a day when the righteous will win. There's coming a day when we're going to stand in victory because we've trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. But those who did not trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, those who trusted what their eyes could see, what their ears could hear, what their skin could touch and what they could what could they what they could be pleased by they they chose those things rather than the things of god they'll be destroyed 
and and in the Babylonian system, in her was found, verse 24, the blood of the prophets and saints and all those slaughtered on the earth. Revelation 18, the Babylonian system of the world will be completely destroyed. Once again, go to verse 9. The kings of the earth who've committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways, they will weep and mourn when they see the smoke from her burning. Verse 11, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls. It's crazy what we trade, what we trade for a right relationship with God. It's crazy what we'll trade in for eternity with God in heaven. Ultimately, the Babylonian system It will be destroyed like a large millstone being thrown into the sea. Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. To bring the comments to a close today, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13 says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works in it will be disclosed. Since all these things are about to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So I would encourage everyone that's listening, evaluate your life. Evaluate your life. Am I living for the things of God? The things of God are the things that stand. They're the things that matter. They are those that are the good things, the eternal things. Am I standing? Am I living according to the things of God? Or am I living according to the system of this world, the Babylonian system, which emphasizes my world is about me, my world is about here, and my world is about now? You see, those of us who are who believe that it's about us, it's about here, and it's about now, we won't focus on the things of God. We're like the kings of the earth, and we're like the merchants on the sea. Our eye, our mind, our spirit, we're focused on the things that matter to me, that matter here, and matter now. There's a greater world, an eternal world, a world that's focused on God, a world that is good, a world that is pleasant, a world without sin, a world where there's no more sickness, no shame, no tears, no no sorrow, a world that God has created for us, a world that's described this way. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the imagination of any person what God has in store for the, for those who love him. So understand, what we see is going to be destroyed. 
So don't chase after the things found in this world. Chase after the things that really matter. Chase after. Chase after a right relationship with God. Follow his word. Obey his word. Obey his will. The greatest life we'll ever live is a a life committed to follow him. So I want to thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I also want to encourage you to continue listening and also to invite your family members, your friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Invite them to join us as we continue to study the book of Revelation. Hope you have a great week and thanks for joining us today on Light for Living.